Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA It's a True Story. Today, we're speaking with Dean Jackson. He recently wrote an article on managing board expectations. This is so serious, especially in today's world where meaningful communication is so critical. We're very excited to have you on the show today, Dean. Thank you for joining us and welcome to HOA Thank It's you. a True Story. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, and then also joining us today is Bill Mann from the GV Group. Thank you, Reagan. Why don't we start, because I know you've been in the industry a while, like Bill and I, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in all of this? Okay, well, yeah, I've been in the industry since 2000. I started in the industry kind of as a fluke. I was living in New York, and then my wife and I moved out to California to be closer to both sets of parents. And I didn't know what HOA was. I knew what property management was. And my wife said, hey, if you apply as a property manager, maybe we can get free rent. And um, <laughs> so I, I kind of sent my resume out like scattershot. You know, I was working for the Guggenheim Museum in New York, and I was also an actor. And Miramonte Company, a small mom and pop company, called me back and I interviewed with them and they decided to give me a shot. My mentor in the industry as a portfolio manager was Ling Yates. She taught me a lot and I worked as a portfolio manager for about five years and then I moved to managing on site. I went to first a mid-rise condominium association and was there for about three and a half years. And then I managed a high rise for over 11 years. And uh, the majority of my experience is high rise management, both in the East Bay and a little bit of time in the city. And now I've moved away from managing the properties to managing the projects. And I'm working with Collins Management as their director of project management. You're throwing out some names that are really <laughs> Yeah, I just I feel. just had <laughs> I just had lunch with Lynn and Ray Yates and I think the world of her. And you know, now she's retired. So you had a great mentor there. So. I, I really did. I, I I'm still very close friends with her and uh, and she really taught me a lot. And she's still a very close friend. Well, let me start by going back a little bit to our introduction. That was a great article, by the way. Really, really loved that. It's something that I've been talking about often on managing board expectation. But of course, ours was always just from the construction project perspective, when in fact, there's a whole slew of what you are really referring to. What did you exactly mean when you were talking about managing the great expectation and, and who was that directed to? Was it to the other managers, to board members, to homeowners? Give me a little more insight on that article. It was directed to managers. Vision Magazine is generally a safe space for managers. So we write about things and, and we can write candidly about board members, you know, not by name, obviously, but we can write candidly about issues that managers come up against. And lately, I have just seen some boards of directors mistreating their manager, taking them for granted, going against their governing documents, arguing amongst themselves and, and treating the manager as, you know, their servant and the HOA as their fiefdom. And it was really frustrating a friend of mine who's a manager and I had written articles before geared towards board members about here's who your manager is, here's what they bring professionally. 
So I felt like I needed to write an article to the managers, basically giving them permission to be who they are, to step up and maybe not be pushed around, to know their own worth and to manage the expectations of the board so that they can serve the board and the property and the uh, HOA communities better. And manage the board. I mean, that's what their job is, right? Is to, to manage the board, make sure they're in accordance with rules and laws and tell them when they can and can't do something or at least give them the boundaries. And I think one of the things we see a lot of is people just sitting back taking their notes or recording and not really engaging the meeting at all. Well, I've seen managers take the laid back approach and, you know, tell me what to do. In my experience, those managers are often new to the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I've seen managers, you know, thrown in the deep end who really learned how to guide their boards and manage both the boards and the communities very professionally, even though they were quite new in the industry. But I think that there needs to be a sense of confidence instilled in the manager that it's a complicated industry, but you have the training and you know what you're doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can get the answer. Do you think a lot of it has to do with training that, that some of them don't feel comfortable enough because they don't feel like they have enough training and that's why they become more secretaries and note takers versus what I would say are managers? I think that that can be part of it, but I don't think it's always part of it. I know that some companies tend to just throw the manager into the deep end and give them little in the way of training. And those are the managers that probably can become the note takers. I think an important part of training is instilling a sense of professionalism and a sense of confidence that you've learned the Davis Sterling Act. You've taken all these classes to earn your certification. So you have the knowledge or you have the knowledge at hand, you can find it to address any of these mm -hmm. problems that are coming your way. You just need to be confident that you can do that. And also you need to act proactively. You know, a note taker is reactive. A note taker is somebody who wants to be told what to do, but the dynamic should really be the manager guiding the board, not the other way around. But do you think your boards could learn from this article as well? I do, actually. I, I wrote that with that in mind, hoping that a manager might see it and, and share it with their boards if they needed to. Mm. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, I, I see a lot of, and I, you know, and I, I don't want to always blame everything in the last couple of years on the pandemic, but I've definitely seen a shift in boards and particularly with some board members where they've really become to be bullies not just bullies to the manager, but bullies to their fellow board members as well. Are you I, seeing a trend in that direction? Yes. I have been bullied myself at an association that I used to work at on site. Mm -hmm. I can tell you more about that in a little while. There's a board member that I know of, and he and I get along very well. I'm working on some projects at their association, but our dynamic is very different than his dynamic with the rest of the board. And he, mm -hmm. I think, likes to think of himself as a take charge person, but basically he runs roughshod over people mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, unilaterally makes decisions on the fly. I sat in that general manager's chair while we were looking for somebody to fill the spot permanently. And I had to have some talks with him that, you know, no, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for a long time and you have to trust me to know what I'm doing and, and back off a little bit. 
And, uh, and then the manager who came in permanently had to have a similar conversation with him after she came to me for advice. How'd that conversation go with her? Was she able to bring him around? Uh, yeah. She I mean, still, okay. You know, the, he understood. Sometimes he can't get uh, out of his own way, but he yeah. understood <laughs> and he started treating her with more respect. I mean, the dynamic is still there sometimes, but I think he's sure. aware of it and tries to check himself after that conversation. We've been doing a couple podcasts on education lately and how critical it is that people get their proper training and that different companies are really stepping up and forcing better education and better training. And I think it isn't just so they know the answer, but it's also what you just said. So they don't get bullied because they seem to be, you know, the customer's always right kind of thing isn't always correct in this case. And I love that you used the barista as your example in the article. You know, part of that was humor, but part of it was really thinking about how a board of directors may view a manager. The manager might not have been a note taker to begin with, but the dynamic of the board might just have made the manager just go into their shell and just, you know, wait for the whole thing to be over. You know, the meeting can get out of hand. Directors can be ignoring the Open Meeting Act. Directors can be arguing amongst themselves or arguing with the other members attending the meeting. And the manager can just throw up their hands and say, okay, I'm just going to take the minutes and wait for this to be over. So it's, it, the dynamic of the board definitely will influence how they see the manager. And I was just thinking about, you know, what role does a barista play in our daily lives? Well, they're there to get me a drink. They're there to get me a coffee. So what's your manager there to get you? Do you think that this has to do with how long we went out of personal interaction and was more social media and emails and digital meetings instead of the face-to-face? Do you think it kind of emboldened them a little bit? I don't think it's completely that, but I do think it maybe desensitized them a little bit. Mm, good mm. point. You know, not sensitive to the manager's needs because, you know, you ca- you type in all caps, you know, or you yell at them in person. You know what I mean? But I was experiencing this dynamic before the pandemic as well. Mm. That's yeah, and we have some board members that I call them keyboard warriors, where you meet them face to face and they're all pleasant and nice and everything else. And then they go back home on their keyboard and the four page letter comes out. So. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, so sometimes, you know, you've got that personality you have to deal with as well. And, um, and sometimes you have the very strong personalities. And sometimes I, I was talking to a board member today that she's just very direct, you know, so she can come across as angry and brusque. When in fact, mm. she just like, let's get to the facts. She, you know, she doesn't mean anything by it. And she even told me this, if I'm coming at you, you know, quickly and, and I seem to be, you know, frustrated, just know, I, I just want to get to the point. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that's her. I, I kind of appreciate that personality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least she forewarned you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the conversation went just as you would expect, but it, but it was fine. And she thanked me and, and we got to what we needed to do. Do you think the management company has some accountability to this, to the manager? I think, yes. I don't think that every management company gets it wrong. I don't think that every management company gets it right. I think that many of them probably fall right in the middle. I was talking before about how, you know, managers can be thrown into the fire and, you know, or thrown into the deep end and either sink or swim. And that can have a couple of effects. The manager can discover that they have a real good talent for it, 
or the manager can get really flustered and nervous and then become the note taker because they don't really have anything to hang their hat on. I think part of training needs to be to instill in a manager their worth, the knowledge, the company culture, and just the fact that you, the manager, are important. That's great. I think in some ways that's some of the takeaways that you could offer newbie managers that are having difficulties in this arena. You could kind of use that as that launching pad, but what should they do if they find themselves losing control, being bullied, board being too brusque and not taking their advice or their direction? I think going to either a colleague at work or a person in a supervisory position, if it's really getting out of hand. One of the roles that, that I have within our company is having some of those conversations when managers need help. I have to remember, and this is sometimes easy to forget, to you know, remind them that I'm a resource, that everybody who we have a weekly managers meeting and we were just talking this week about use the resources at hand. There's a lot of managers who've been doing this for a long time. They're there to help you. If you need it, if you are confused, if things are going wrong, use the resources at hand. And I'm glad that the owner of our company, Paul, the CEO, shared that, you know, because I think that there's a lot that can be said from the wisdom of people who've been doing it for a long time because we've all had the experiences that the newer managers are just now learning about. Are you guys working in the office full-time again, or are people still working remotely? How's that? Because I think that's one of the things I've seen with the newbie managers over the last few years. They don't have that interaction where they can go, Dean's across the hallway and go poke my head in his office and ask him a question or something. Yeah, we have a hybrid model right now. So we, okay. all, we all spend at least some time in the office every week. And people who are newer to the company are required to spend a bit more time in the office every week. That's good. Yeah, I think that's great. And the, the reason for that is to foster that communication, to be able to you know walk into somebody else's desk and say, hey, I'm dealing with this problem. Can I get some advice? Yeah. Now let's go back to the title of your article. Let's get into how do they set the expectations? How and why should they do that? Sometimes the expectations are baked in with the board of directors and there's not a lot you can do about it. Okay. I have seen boards that just, this is the way they are. They treat the manager as a secretary, regardless of how much experience they have. You're not going to manage their expectations. You're just going to, you know, go through your day and deal with it. But when you are introducing yourself to a board of directors that you've never worked with, I think the biggest way to manage expectations is to follow through on what you say you're going to do. You know, if at a meeting boards ask for a few things to be done and they can be done pretty easily, the low hanging fruit, my advice to the manager would be, if you say you're going to do it, do it as quickly as possible. So then you build trust. The board knows that you're going to keep your word when you say something and then show them that you're a professional, that you can do your job without being micromanaged. You know? I had made a note to myself about the second and third guessing of the manager's directive. So kind of a scenario where they're trying to decide what to do on an issue. The manager gives them the directive and says, well, legally, according to the, you know, Adam Sterling or whatever, these are the things we kind of have to do. And then they immediately start challenging whether that's the right path or not. Mm -hmm. So 
right at that moment is when they kind of need to dive in deep with the board. You know, what can they do to stop that second and third guessing of the manager's experience and knowledge? Some cases, nothing. In some cases, there's nothing you can do. Uh, but I bring it back to building trust. You okay. know, if the manager has demonstrated that they know what they're doing, and if the manager has told the board, I know what I'm doing in this case, and you've got it wrong, you know, the board, hopefully, if there's enough trust there, will second guess themselves and then at least look into what the manager says. I would put it to the board like, all right, here's what you're doing wrong, because here's what Davis Sterling says. And you don't have to take my word for it now. I'll send you the link to the particular aspect of Davis Sterling that I'm referring to so you can read it for yourself tomorrow. Perfect. A redirect. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the manager stays in control because right. now you're giving them, I'm going to send you the information and you can read it yourselves. Right. And also I would advise the manager anytime the board is going off the rails, record it in the minutes. Oh, good advice. That's a really good takeaway. I think they need to remember that that's super important to cover their selves when it comes back down the road, Adam. Exactly. Well, the name of the podcast is called HOA. It's a true story. Do you have a story for us after all these years in our industry? I'm sure you have a good one. Yeah. The names have been changed to protect the guilty. Of course, please. Um, <laughs> okay. I had been working at a high rise for over 11 years and another high rise in San Francisco was pursuing me to be their general manager with a management company. And over the course of several months, we came to an agreement and I moved to this other job. The grass is always greener. I thought when I got there, two different members of the board says, you know, welcome aboard. We're going to fire your management company and hire this other management company. We want to keep you. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, and simultaneously this board they were you know primarily young people in the tech world with, with a lot of money and they had unrealistic expectations things that i could not fulfill if i had twice as many hours in a day and this is me at the time having almost 20 years experience in the industry i still couldn't do it and it was very stressful and they would keep coming they, they had like a, a 60 point action items list on google doc check on every day and i was required to touch every one of those items at least once a week i was required my deliverables on friday were two different uh, versions of the newsletter at the same time uh oh somebody left the front desk you need to go stand there and give people their packages on the day that your deliverables are due and all of this stuff and they were also bullies about it you know yeah you know, I could have conversations with them offline in which they were very friendly, but when it was board and manager, they were bullies. Mm. So I was getting paid pretty well there. And I had to make the decision about, you know, I was getting up at five in the morning and not getting home till after seven at night. Ooh. So I had to make the decision about what was best for me in light of this, uh, large paycheck. And one day I was just driving over to Trader Joe's and as I'm turning into the parking lot, I decided I'm not going to be working there after two weeks. And once I made that decision, a weight came off. Yeah. Sometimes, as I said, you're not going to change the board of directors. My understanding is that they went through several managers after me. 
Oh, I'm not surprised to hear that. So. Yeah, I'm sure because they didn't change their expectation Dations, yeah. to one that would be realistic. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm glad for your own sanity that you did. And great article. We really enjoyed it. I'm glad we got a chance to get you on the show here. And thanks for coming. If somebody wanted to reach out and get in touch with you or read more of your articles or want to read the new book you have coming out, hint, hint. How would they do that? They could email me at dean at collins-mgmt.com. Perfect. If for some reason they can't find you that way, they can always reach out to us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com and we'll be happy to pass on any information or questions to Dean and get him in touch with you. Thanks, Dean. Thank that you very great. much. All right, take care. Thank you.